welcome to the Tech Report Podcast, where we help businesses survive, thrive, and create value. Welcome, everybody, to the Tech Report, the podcast that is all about helping businesses survive, thrive, and create value, especially in our trying environment today. So I'm your host, Brad Stoller. Well, the pandemic, you know, has some businesses really booming, and yet others are closing their doors. So when the businesses that is booming, unfortunately, is the business of cybercrime. And here are some stats that I think might actually blow you away. So these are from the FBI, so I would think that they're, they're pretty accurate. But since the pandemic started, the U.S. has had 4,000 cyber attacks. That's each day. Okay? That's a I think 400... that number's low. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> That's a 400% increase, at least according to the FBI, since the pandemic started. Here's something else. According to Microsoft, phishing and social engineering attacks, and if you don't know what those are, I'm sure we'll go over that in a little bit in today's episode, but those have jumped to 20,000 to 30,000 attacks every day. And that's just in the U.S. and just since the pandemic started. So if that doesn't scare you, if you're a business owner or manager, it should. But hang on, there's more. But we're not even going to, I'm not even going to talk about ransomware. <laughs> I'll let our guests touch on that a little bit. So for all you business owners who keep saying, and I hear this all the time, that's only for the <clears throat> big companies, not us. And we don't have anything that they would want. If you notice the air oh, quotes. Yes, you, do. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to pay attention. Our, our guest is laughing. He can't contain himself because he, this is right up his alley here. But you really need to pay attention to our guest today. So today's episode is really all about how you find out if your system, your network system has been compromised and what you can do about it. So our guest today is one of the top experts in cybersecurity, period. He's been featured recently on Pittsburgh's KDKA News. Um, this company has won the Blue Crystal Award for the best computer security service in Pittsburgh, which is where he's from. And he has tirelessly worked for many clients that I'm sure you've heard of, but we're not allowed to tell you who they are <laughs> for security reasons. <laughs> so our guest today is Albert Whale. Albert, welcome to the Tech Report. Well, thank you, Brad. I, I appreciate you inviting me. Well, great. Well, Albert, you have so many fascinating stories to tell about what's going on in the cyber criminal world. You and I have talked you know, over the, the months. And, but before we go deep on that, I really just want to let our, our listeners know a little bit about your background, how you got started in being a top security expert. Oh, that's a great question because I get asked that a lot from people that are trying to break out into the field. Yeah. Um, you know, my background includes being a, a veteran of the United States Navy, and uh, I went after serving our country to get my degree in electrical engineering um, because I liked computers. Now, some people might not understand why I would go through electrical engineering to work on computers, but the, the rationale there is I wanted to build better computer systems, not just the applications that worked on them. Right. 
Ironically, when I got out, I started building applications again for many different organizations. Some did uh, laser inspection with real-time motion detection, and I'd saved that company $2 million, and it took me six months. Uh, but basically, around about 9-11, I was building internet servers in Western Pennsylvania on Linux systems, and everybody around me was telling me I couldn't get that done because you needed to use expensive Microsoft tools. But I proved them wrong. And then 9-11 hit, and I was contacted by the FBI to come assist them in investigating the terrorists. Well, I helped stand up the Pittsburgh FBI InfraGuard, and that got me officially started. But I was working before that with the internet servers I was building in protecting them from the cyber criminals that were trying to hack our environments. Um, in that's doing so, I started- That's another cybersecurity uh, emergency right there on your phone, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I can reach many more than, than just one phone call can, can work on. We're but up to 3,001 a day. That now. problem will be tackled later on. Anyway, so I started teaching cybersecurity to the national critical infrastructure, banks, transportation, utilities, healthcare, and um, so much more. Um, from there, I went and supported a program with the VA and saved them a million dollars in six months. And after that, I, I worked with Sigital. They, they developed the software security market and I taught cybersecurity to the United States Air Force. From there, I went to major global banks, and I worked on teams that helped with the um, applications being developed and showed them how attackers were breaking into their systems through the software they were building. Application security is one of the big branches for cybersecurity, and that's good for people that are writing code. They should make it so it's secure. Exactly. But, uh, so today, I think we're going to be talking about a couple other things. So that's my background. And, uh, you know, it, you, it's one leg at a time. You don't see where you're going until you've already gotten there. But I've always had a vision for cybersecurity. Yeah, I, I can vouch for that because I, I remember uh, we met, I think it was about a year and a half ago. And uh, but and this kind of leads me to the second question here I'm going to ask here is that is there's a lot of cybersecurity experts you know, out there. Um, and everybody seems to think that when they hear the word cybersecurity expert, that everybody's the same. They do all the same things. And that's probably because most of us don't really understand the topic. So your system is a lot different than the other cybersecurity experts that I've talked to. So tell us a little bit of how your system works, but not just, I don't know that everybody needs to go into... <laughs> how the clock works, they want to know what time it is, okay? So don't keep it too technical here. But the main thing is how it works to keep your business safe. Well, that's great segue because the name of the product is It's Safe. And we use it to create a safe zone in your business. So It's Safe sits into the network and it looks at the traffic coming into the network and out of the network. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> what we do is we block the malicious activity from ever reaching your computers. And if they're already inside, and boy, we find them more often than not already inside, 
we stop them from communicating with their home um, connection. Wherever they came from, they can't get back. So I'm going to stop a, you just a little bit because I want to make sure. sure that people can really, really understand what you're saying. Okay. So when you say there, a lot of people say, well, hang on a second. What do you mean they're already in my network? I have antivirus. I have <laughs> anti this, anti that. Come on. Are they and really in my network? Too, right? Come on. How can you tell? So, so how can you tell if they're in your network already? Well, using those tools, you're not going to. Because those tools are using what's known as a common weakness and exploit database. Those are known attack exploits. But what happens if they've gotten into your network using a zero day, which nobody knew about, or they got in through you know, the back door of Facebook or some image that had a URL that was suspicious that downloaded the software right onto your computer. Exactly. And a zero day is, for those of us that don't know what a zero day is. A zero day is an exploit that hasn't been identified as being an exploit yet. Oh, so nobody knows about it yet, but it's there. That's correct. You like how I put that in layman terms for us business owners so we can understand? <laughs> nobody understands Nobody understands the exploit that's labeled as a zero day until researchers find them and then say, oh my God, I could have had a V8. But no, they found this exploit instead. And then it's too late. And then it's too late because yeah. they've been using it for, what, six months, two years, three years, and they're inside everybody's network. But once they get inside, they stop using it. So the problem of identifying these zero days is they haven't identified when it started. So you don't know how many networks that they're already inside of. Exactly. So, so what we're basically talking about is, is finding those hackers. I use that term loosely because I'm starting to understand that you don't necessarily have to be a super computer genius to be a hacker. Uh, but we're trying to find those that have already inside your network, however they got there, however they got around. Um, but can you explain just a little bit how that's even possible for for hackers to get around all this antivirus, the, the phishing, the blockers and all that stuff that everybody has, uh, basically network security, okay? So how do they get around that in the first place to get in? Okay, Sure. So there's two different ways, well, maybe three. One of them is the virus scanner's not, are not working 100% of the time, okay? So if a change is made on the computer with the virus or malware, and it effectively does its job and gets erased before it's detected, then it was an invisible attack. A second way is by using the internet and downloading malicious code without knowing about it. Because websites get hacked too. And people are going out into the danger zone, the internet, without, without protection, basically. And they're doing what they do normally, which is surf the web or right. you know talk on social media. But you can't tell if it's a clean environment. So if you happen upon an image that has... Um, malicious code that downloads software from another site that is permitted through the firewall because you're on the site initially 
And then again, it gets used on your computer because the web browser says, we want to download this so that you can see the internet in its purest form because all of the images are important. And then the third way is phishing attacks and email. So I, I send you a, a Word document, an Excel spreadsheet, a web link to go fill out some information because your account got suspended, your credit card expired, um, we need to validate your account credentials, any number of things that's called social engineering. Exactly, exactly. To get you to go do this directly, circumventing, again, the security controls. So right now, there's nothing inside your network that blocks that. But with ItSafe, we sit inside the environment and we monitor the traffic going in and out, and we stop the malicious activity before it affects you. I've got it. So, so there's umpteen million ways. So that is that a is that a technical term? Umpteen yeah, I million. once wrote a uh, a white paper. <laughs> there's a dozen ways to evade your firewall. Exactly. Okay, your term's probably a little more. Um, you know, technically or they work, you know? (laughs) Okay. So there's a dozens, dozens of ways for anybody to really get into the system. They don't necessarily have to be a Think of it like this, Brad, your front door shuts you off from, from the outside, but an attacker isn't always going to come in through the front door. Good analogy. Good analogy. So, well, we've heard, a, okay, so I've heard a little bit about the Caremark Challenge. And that's where companies such as Marriott, Yahoo, and Verizon, you know, they've been sued for data breaches. And this is something that I think the business owners, when they say, oh, that doesn't happen to me. Okay, hang on a second, because I'm getting to this. So it's happening with smaller companies as well. So how can executives, first of all, is it happening to smaller companies? And also, are executives and business owners, are they liable if somebody hacks, steals information, they don't have good systems set up, and their client's data is breached and they have issues? Are they liable for something like this? Yes. Yes to both statements. And let me um, explain a little further. So are they Attack points, yes. By being on the internet, the internet is scanned by tools and robots and Google and a couple other things probably 20 times a day. I mean, the whole world, right? So they have identified what IP goes to what person and what business and, you know, everything around it. Sometimes they can even tell if you still have default passwords there. That's interesting because they're knocking on your front door, but they're not on your street of your house, okay? They're doing it from their remote location in Bolivia or Romania. Right. And they do that remotely. The second part of it is if you're going to use people's information, yeah, the the organization that's using that data is responsible for the protection of that information of their clients. So I've seen in many cases where CISOs get fired because of a breach because they haven't done enough due diligence to figure out where their protections are weak or what is the latest tools and technology to employ. Now, 
if organizations spend a little bit more to do better security and they can show but beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're doing the best they can, then they probably won't get fired. But more often than not, a lot of businesses have not done a security assessment in at least a excuse me in at least a year, and that's that that's the minimum. You, normally, you're supposed to do an assessment within 30 days of making a change in your network. Oh wow! So and really, how a year often and- does Microsoft send out a security update? I believe it's about every Tuesday, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, every Tuesday you have a change in your network, but when did you do your last assessment? Right. Good stuff. So, so there really is a little bit more to it than what I think people are starting to catch on, but there's just, this is just such a huge topic that um, it's just hard to comprehend. And I think that's where rather than you trying to comprehend everything, if you're a business owner, if you're a manager, um, you're on the board of directors. <laughs> I think the main thing what I'm hearing, Albert, is from your saying is you need to have systems in place. So if there is a breach, first of all, we want to avoid that by having a right. good system in place. But if you don't have a good system, you're really, there's two things going on. You're leaving yourself open to get attacked, right. which not necessarily your company, but they might be going after your client's data too. Um, I know we talked a year, you know, years, we talked months ago about this, but um, the stealing of our intellectual property. And right. um, I know that's starting to get a little bit more press out there, but what's going on with what the I, we call IP? That's not IP address, but intellectual property. So is this a big factor in how other countries are coming in and stealing designs? And next thing you know, six months later, you say, hey, that looks like my product. <laughs> what's going on with that? Well, let's take a look at the steel industry. We're here in Pittsburgh, right? We allowed foreign countries to come in and mimic what we're doing for U.S. steel. And they took it overseas to Korea and China, and they stood up steel mills that compete with us daily for cheaper product. And they didn't have the commitment or the entrance fee, that level of research to get involved in understanding how to do what they do. They just stole the technology. The same happens with e-commerce sites or um, manufacturing sites where they'll take a design that may be on a computer system and then steal it and then take your clients away because they took your client list too. They don't have to compete with much, but if they're giving them a better value for not having the overhead that you had to start up the business here locally in the United States or anywhere, then, you know, it's unfair competition, but they're winning the game because we're not protecting our data. Like we might necessarily should. Yeah. Been hearing a lot and it's getting a starting to get a little bit of press. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been on the news a lot, even with coronavirus. Well, especially with coronavirus, because the level has just increased. Um, Right. The increase because of maybe remote workers, maybe they let, people are letting the guards down. Why do you think it's increasing so much during the coronavirus right now? Um, specifically during the coronavirus, the protections that we built in our businesses, we put a security perimeter around them. It was a hard perimeter that you could only see through it the, the one way, right? But now we have people working from home and the perimeter is broken. 
So they're working from home and they're outside of the protective zone and they're getting attacked at their homes that are talking also back to the business, which doesn't have the same security at their house that they had in the business. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That makes That's a lot why of sense. we built the it's safe appliance and also have the home edition as well. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, well, I know we've talked, you know, about a lot here today and a little bit of time. Um, and I know we can't go on and on or they, you know, they will kick us off the air. Right. But, um, <laughs> there's just so many different facets of cybersecurity. Uh, what do you think is something that's critically important that business owners and managers and boards of directors, what haven't we talked about yet that you feel that they really should factor in when it comes to their security plan? Um, I think that you need to have at minimal an assessment on your security and it changes every six months. Okay. The attack methods change, the vulnerabilities change, and not everybody is up to date on all their patches or tools or their techniques. So it's good to change up what are you doing for security and who's assessing it. Get certified professionals that have years of experience because this isn't a a young man's game that they're playing. They're breaking systems with young men but it takes a little more understanding and expertise to secure the door, the back doors, the front doors, and the side doors all at the same time. Yeah, makes Those a lot threats of sense. And, and vulnerabilities aren't always easily identified. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, well, I'm sure that there's going to be some questions. At least there should be. <laughs> if anybody's watching this and they're and they're they're kind of thinking about their business, our boy, have we done everything we can? So. How do they, if they want to have an assessment, first of all, let me ask this, where all do you service? I know you're based in Pittsburgh, but right. are, are you mainly around the Pittsburgh region? Do you go all over the country, the world? How, where are your clients and where do you service, first of all? And then if they have some questions here, how do they get a hold of you? So they can call easiest on my cell phone and leave a message. Um, my cell number is 412-889-6870. Um, Like the hackers, we can travel the world with a few router hops. (laughs) So we don't have to be on site, although they might want to have a personal conversation with us and and we'll be happy to arrange that. Um, I've talked to people as far as far away as Japan. Okay. So, you know, it's a urgent matter that everybody needs to assess. If they want to reach me via email, it's Albert with an A dot whale. W-H-A-L-E, at IT-security-solutions.com. Okay, and I'll make sure that everybody can at least see that and so if they have some questions or if they want to, as you said, they need an assessment. I got one more question. I told you I only had a couple more, but I do have one more. (laughs) That's fine. If they want an assessment, yes. what do they have to do? What does it cost? I mean, how do they go about getting an assessment from you? Well, the easiest thing to do is either um, drop us a line or call us on the phone to have a conversation. We'll give them a free consult about, you know, what needs to be done and how big the organization is and some scoping questions to move forward from there. Okay, fair enough. So, well, I hope this has been an enlightening. I know it's, we're starting to talk more and more about cybersecurity. I think people are starting to get it. 
it's not just about the Marriott's. It's not just about no, uh, Chase not. Bank. It's not you know, all the big companies out there. It is the small companies that are getting hit harder than the larger ones because it's easier. Is that right? <laughs> it is easier. But you know what? The big businesses use small business to help them manage their business. Good so point. showing that you have an, an up-to-date security protection or security assessment benefits these businesses and keeps them in business longer. Mm. We should have talked about that more. That's a, that's a very good point. So what you're saying is, I was, I was trying to wrap this up, but you brought something up. So we're going to go just a little bit longer here. <laughs> so what okay. you're saying is, if I am an HVAC company, for example, um, which starts to smell like a target, uh, we know right. that they're the ones who got originally hacked, which allowed them the hackers to get inside of Target. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's the same kind of um, technology being deployed today during the pandemic. That's why it's, it's vital that organizations move quickly to get a security assessment and pro- produce a more secure posture. And that will allow smaller businesses to work with their clients who happen to be maybe some larger businesses. So it's not only just a thing to protect yourself from what I'm hearing is, it's actually becomes almost like an asset. <laughs> if you're going it to sell your service. It is kind of an asset, isn't it? It is. That's what I'm hearing. And it makes sense. I'm just thinking this is you know, just rolling off the tongue here. But um, it just seems to me like if I'm going to go sell my services as a small company, and we know security is on the large companies' minds, it sure would be nice to say, you know what? We have security assessments of our networks every you know, 30 days, 60 days, whatever that may be, whatever it seems to be appropriate. Right. That seems to me like if I had a choice between two companies and they're about the same price wise, everything else, I, I like both of them. You know, they, they can both do the job, but one is more secure. Right. I'm going to take that because it's going to cover my rear end. I don't want to get sued. Does that make sense? It, it does, because a lot of the big businesses are, are looking at third party vendor management as to what are they doing for their cybersecurity solutions. Exactly. Makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up because I think that actually might be one of the most important aspects that a business owner, <laughs> a manager, or like I said, uh, if you're on a board of directors, yeah, you, you want to know, know that kind of stuff. Exactly. How vulnerable so, are you? Exactly. So we could go on all day on this because there's a story after story after story. But I just wanted to real quick thanks to Albert Will for spending some time with us today. Albert, it's always a pleasure, and hopefully you'll come back and talk with us again someday. Be my pleasure. Thanks, Brad. You're welcome.